right. Well, church family, I want to give a special shout out uh, to all those first off that are online. Uh, we are so glad you're joining us today. We love you. Can't wait to see you very soon. Also want to give a shout out to all of you in the, uh, in the tent out there. Let me hear you. Okay, there are a few of you. I, I hear you. Uh, all those in the chapel, uh, man, we're kind of scattered all over the campus today, but we are super excited to be here with you uh, right now. And I also want to give a shout out uh, to all that served this week during our Love Local initiative. I, I've got a little fact sheet here. Uh, some of you may not know this. We had, get this, uh, 311 volunteers uh, 818 volunteer hours this week serving our local community. We had 25 connect groups engaged in this. We served the homeless. We served uh, unwed mothers. We served the elderly. We were in elementary schools. Uh, we served first responders. We served local businesses. Just sharing the love of Christ and, and loving on our local community. So can we give a big hand clap and thank you to all those that did that this week. Absolutely. All right, so it's Easter Sunday, and I want to talk about something that you might not expect. But here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk to you today about overcoming your fears. Overcoming your fears. You know, we, we all have them, right? We all have fears. We have anxieties. We have worries, especially over the last year and a half. Uh, we've, we've been face-to-face -face with our own fears. And we all have our ways that we kind of manage our fears and manage our worries and our anxieties. Uh, several years ago, Liz and I decided that we wanted to watch a scary movie, all right? So we'd, we don't do that very often because I'm a scaredy cat, but we, we wanted to watch a scary movie. So we got into it, and sure enough, it was getting scary, right? It was getting really scary. And so I'm like, oh, what do we do? I don't want to stop it, but I, I'm kind of scared. So, so I, I, I hit the mute button. Which, note to self, that really kind of takes some of the fear out of it. Because then you don't have that tense music, you know, that foreboding music. And so we're like, oh, well, this is a little bit better. So we keep watching, but then it was, it was still getting scary, right? And so we're like, now what do we do? And so I hit the fast forward button. You should try that. And so now you're seeing everything, but it's happening really fast. And so you're kind of getting through it till, oh, it's not as scary. And now we can kind of put it back on the regular. Wouldn't that be cool if you could do that in life? Wouldn't that be awesome? Oh, it's getting a little scary. I think I'll just fast forward uh, to, the, to a better part. Uh, that would be awesome. Uh, unfortunately, we can't do that, right? Can't do that. We've, we've got to live this life, and many parts of this life are scary and filled with anxiety and worry. So, so how do we handle our anxiety and our worry? That's what I want to talk about today. Now, you may be saying, Craig, well, this, uh, hello, this is Easter Sunday, uh, why are you talking about that? What does that have to do with Easter? Well, let me tell you, it has everything to do with Easter. Managing your fear, overcoming fear has everything to do with the empty tomb. I want you to get your Bibles and I want you to open it up to Matthew chapter 28. That's where we are today, Matthew 28. Uh, and I want you to um, turn there. And this is where we're going to land today. While you're turning there, let me just kind of set the stage for what we're talking about. You know, after Jesus' death, his disciples were incredibly terrified. I mean, you can imagine. They'd just seen Jesus brutally murdered. He'd seen, they'd seen the whole crowds turn against Jesus. And so after the, after the, the crucifixion, they kind of scattered. And they, 
They huddled up in a room behind locked doors. They were certain that the people that went after Jesus were going to go after them next. So they were absolutely paralyzed, overcome, uh, dominated by their their fear. Now, if you fast forward uh, about three or four weeks, you see these same disciples, and they're preaching at Pentecost. They, They get arrested. They get dragged before the Sanhedrin, the very group that sentenced Jesus to death, and they're bold as a lion. There's no fear in them. So how do you explain them going from terrified and paralyzed to boldness? And the only way you can explain it is by one word, resurrection. It was a resurrection of Jesus. They're being convinced that Jesus actually physically was raised from the dead, that trans. Uh, that transitioned them, that transformed them from being fearful people to people of great, great boldness. Let me ask you something. Are you overwhelmed by fear? I mean, really, think about it. Are you finding yourself anxious and worried? Do you have this sense of foreboding uh, gloom uh, that seems to hang over your head? Are you constantly wringing your hands about what may happen or what is happening right now and and you're not sure if you can handle it. Let me tell you something. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the power to overcome your fears. And I want to show that to you right here um, in this story. So look at, look at it with me. Matthew 28, uh, beginning at verse 1. And this is the Word of God. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. There was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken by fear of him that they become like dead men. And the angel told the women, don't be afraid because I know You were looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going ahead of you to Galilee, and you will see him there. Listen, I have told you. So departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, they ran to tell his disciples the news. Just then... Jesus met them and said greetings, and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus told them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. Now, the account of the resurrection of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew is really seen through the eyes of a group of women. In fact, Matthew mentions two of them by name. If we read the gospel of Luke and Mark, we find that there were other women besides these two that were there as well. But, uh, but they have come to, to kind of finish off the, the burial preparations for the body of Jesus. These same women had supported Jesus during his ministry. These same women were there when Jesus performed all kinds of great miracles. They were there when, at the cross when Jesus died. And now here they are. When the disciples aren't even there, here they are at the tomb ministering to the body of Jesus. 
And uh, Matthew tells us that this happened on the first day of the week. Now, this is really important. You might underline that in your Bible. It's the first day of the week. It is Sunday. This is the third day that Jesus has been in the tomb. Jesus was in the tomb on Friday and on Saturday, and now it is Sunday morning. And Jesus had told them multiple times that Jesus would be raised on the third day. In fact, we can find 11 different times in the Gospels where Jesus said, I will be raised on the third day. So this was resurrection day. This was resurrection day. By the way, this is why Christians go to church on Sunday, because we are attesting to the resurrection of Jesus. You know, it's not just on Easter that we attest to the resurrection of Jesus. Every week when we gather on Sunday, we're attesting to the day that our Lord was raised from the dead. All right? Isn't that cool? Uh, That's why we gather on Sunday. So here they are. It's the first day of the week. It's Resurrection Sunday. And as they traveled to the tomb, they, they felt the earth quake. And so many times I could show you earthquakes in the Gospels. When God is moving, the earth quakes. And, and when they get there, they see this angel, and he's rolled the stone back, and he's sitting on it. And we see this description of this angel. You know, I've heard some people say, well, the angel was there to roll the stone away so that Jesus could get out. Right? I've heard that. uh, somebody say, "Eh," all right, no, no, that's not true, all right, Uh, that is not true, Uh, can you imagine, here is Jesus, the risen Lord, he's conquered sin and death, he's God in the flesh, and he's like inside the tomb going, where is that angel, he's he's five minutes late, all right, no, the angel didn't get there to let Jesus out, He, he rolled the stone away to let the women in, right, to let the disciples in, to let us in so we could see for ourselves that Jesus was raised from the dead. And so here they are, they're, they're, they're at the tomb now, and they are seeing this. And what I want you to notice is in this story, the, the words of fear and afraid appear four different times. This is a major theme in this passage. Fear. Don't be afraid. Do not fear. They were afraid, right? And so here's what I want you to understand here is that because of the resurrection, you can overcome your fear. There is in this story, laden in this story, this idea of how to overcome fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. You know what that means? That means that God did not create you to live your life in fear. God did not create you to just day by day be wringing your hands and worried and concerned about what tomorrow will bring. That God wants you to live with confidence in him and trust in him that he is at work in your life and he's going before you. And the way that we get to that place is by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you something. Are you living in fear? Are you allowing fear to consume you? Are you living in confidence in God? If the answer uh, to those questions is unsure for you, then this is a message for you. Dr. Carl Albrecht, who was a a German uh, management leader and writer and author, thinker, uh, he said that there are certain core fears that we all face. And what I want to show you is, in this story, how the resurrection Jesus overcomes those fears. So if you got something to write on, get your piece of paper out, pen out, 
uh, jot these notes down. Here's the first thing. I want to give you three fears that the, the empty tomb overcomes. Here's the first one, and that is the fear of failure. The fear of failure. There was no greater uh, picture of failure at the time of Jesus than crucifixion, right? If you were crucified, that was epic fail. If a person was crucified, that was the worst possible punishment, usually reserved only for slaves and terrible criminals and enemies of Rome. And so for you to be crucified was the, the utmost failure. Crucifixion wasn't only just excruciating. Literally, that word excruciating means from the cross. It was only incredibly painful and excruciating, but it was also equally humiliating. A person would be up on a cross, they would usually be without clothes, and they've been beaten and abused, and they're up there for everyone to see. Your shame is on display for everyone to see, so everyone can see what a massive, worthless person you are. And then when you were dead, your body was thrown into a mass grave and covered over with no markings. I mean, you were a worthless piece of trash. That's how they saw those who were crucified. It had failure written all over it. And I'm sure when these women came to that grave on that Sunday morning, they felt the weight of failure. They felt like Jesus had failed. They felt like the disciples had failed, that they had failed, that the movement that they so believed in had failed. Later on, when Jesus encounters two guys on the road to Emmaus, they said, we thought that this Jesus was the Messiah. See, there was this sense of things have failed and yet when they encountered this angel at uh, the grave, look at what it says in verse 6. He said, I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he has risen just as he said. See that? In other words, what the angel was telling them is the cross was not a failure. The cross was a part of God's plan and that Jesus had to endure the cross, but it, was, it wasn't going to stop at the cross, that he was going to be raised. And so the cross was a part of God's plan. He had to endure the cross for the joy set before him. But, but on the other side of that failure was glorification and resurrection. That's what the angel told them, that Jesus had not failed. Let me tell you what that means for us. Listen, God's got a plan for you. God has a plan for your life. I want you to listen to me. And you will only know God's plan. You will only embrace God's plan when you're ready and willing to embrace your failures. You see, failure is not something that I'm trying to avoid, something I'm afraid of. Failure is something that I embrace. I embrace my own failures. I embrace my own weaknesses. You can't, you can't, you can't um, come to God and say, God, I got my act together. So many people go, oh, Craig, well, what I'm going to do is I got to get my act together. I got to start going to church. I got to clean up my language. I got to knock off some habits. And then I'm going to come to God and I'm going I'm to get right with God. I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. You come just as you are, failures and all, and let him clean you up. Let him change you. Let him transform you from the inside out. And so you'll never get to God's plan in your life and to embrace your own failures, to admit your failures and your need for God. Jesus really depicted this in a story. He was telling the story about what this looks like. And he said, there are two guys that go to the temple to pray, right? One's a Pharisee. He's a, he's a professional religious guy. And then you got this uh, tax collector, which was a low life in those days. Uh, 
no offense to the tax people, all right, in the room, all right? So anyway, you got these two guys that come to the temple to pray. And the, and the religious guy, he stands up and he prays something like this. Lord, I'm so glad that I'm so awesome. Because I, uh, I pray all the time. I give my money to the temple. Uh, I fast. I'm nothing like this low-life tax collector. And then the tax collector, here he is. He's beating his chest. He won't even look up to heaven. And he just says, Lord... I've failed so many times. God, I'm not worthy of your love, but would you please have mercy on me? And Jesus said, of those two, it was the man that humbled himself that went home justified. Now, what that tells us is this, that you can never know God's plan for your life until you're willing to embrace your own failures. That actually your failures may be the very thing that's driving you to God. Sometimes, I want you to listen to this. Sometimes the worst thing that God could allow to happen in your life is have success after success after success after success. Why? Because you get to where you go, well, I don't need God. I get this thing figured out. I, I've got it all. I got the world by the tail. I don't need God in my life. But when you hit a failure, those very failures are driving you to recognize your deep need for God and the, the restoration that only he can bring in your life. You understand that? So maybe the reason why you're so afraid of failure, the reason why you're struggling with failure right now is because God's at work in your life. God's drawing you to this place. God's pushing you to this place where you will acknowledge your sin and your waywardness and your need for God. In fact, at the end of this message, I'm going to give you an opportunity, if that's you, to say yes to God, to admit your need, to admit your failure, not to run from it. So the, the empty tomb helps us overcome our fear of failure. Here's another thing it does. The, the empty tomb helps us overcome our fear of abandonment. These women, here they are, they're, they're at the end of the tomb, they see this, this angel, and he says, listen, it's not a failure. That, in fact, Jesus is alive, and they're overwhelmed, and then look what happens in verse 9, something they don't expect. And just then, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up, took hold of his feet, and worshiped him. I mean, wow, right? What a thought. I mean, they, they didn't expect that, right? They'd heard, wow, the cross is not, is not a failure, that Jesus is alive, and, and, and then they, they're going to encounter Jesus. Now, rewind the tape a little bit. Up to this point, you know, they had trusted Jesus for everything. They were, Jesus was the answer man for every problem that they had. They depended on him, and then when he died, they thought he left them. You know, in the upper room, just before his death, Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. And I think the reason why he said that is that's how he knew they felt. Where is Jesus now? Why has he left us? Why has God allowed this to happen in our life? You know, there's a story in the Bible where Jesus was in a boat, and they were crossing the Sea of Galilee, and a big storm blew up, blew up and, uh, and, and I mean, it was tipping back and forth, and these, these guys were afraid that the, that the boat was going to, the little tiny boat was going to flip over, and they cry out to Jesus, and they said, Jesus, don't you care that we're about to die here? And uh, of course, Jesus stands up, and he rebukes the wind and the waves, and all is quiet. And I wonder if they were thinking about that, because they were in the storm of their life. And I'm sure those women, when they went to that tomb that early Sunday morning, they were probably thinking, God, where are you? Don't you care? I mean, here we are. Jesus is dead. We don't know what to do. 
The disciples are afraid. We're scattering. This is not how it was supposed to be. God, why have you allowed this to happen? Let me ask you something. Have you ever asked God that? God, why have you allowed this to happen? God, why did I get sick? Why did my wife get sick? Why did my kid get sick? God, why, why, why am I going through this terrible situation? God, why did this relationship break up? God, why am I dealing with this, this crisis in my life? God, don't you care about me? Don't you have compassion for me? God, I try, I try to do all the right things, God. I try to show up and do the right thing and then look at what happens. I think this is what was going through their mind. And then when they turned around, they literally ran into Jesus. <laughs> Something they did not expect. And you know what they learned that day? They learned that Jesus is closer than you think. Listen to me very carefully. All right? All right. Look at this. I'm going to pull the stool out. That means I'm getting very serious. Look out. He's got the stool out. Listen to me. Jesus has not abandoned you. Jesus has not left you alone. Even in those moments when you feel like you can't hear him, he is with you. I remember when my daughters were young, and uh, sometimes you'd hear them. It'd be at night, and you got settled in your bed. Oh, you're just about to go to sleep, and you'd hear, Dad. You ever heard that? Dad. You try to ignore it. Maybe it'll go away. Come on, parents, tell the truth. Dad. Then it kind of is lingering out there a little bit. So you got to get up and go, or they're going to do what? They're going to come to you. So I would better go ahead and go. So I get up, walk down the hallway. What's the matter? I'm just I'm scared. So I'll go, all right, so I'm going to lay down with you. So I'll, I'll lay down with them. Now listen, it's still dark, but they know I'm with them. Listen, in your darkest moments, if you know Jesus, he is with you. He has not abandoned you. In fact, in Hebrews 13, I love what it says here. It says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Another version puts it this way. I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. You ought to be afraid of abandonment. If you know Christ, because of his resurrection, he is with you. So there's a fear of failure. It's only driving you to Jesus. There's a fear of abandonment, but he's always promised that he'll be with you. He's closer than you think. And let me give you this last one very quickly because we're almost out of time. The fear of death. Look at verse 8. It says, so departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, they ran to tell the disciples the news. Now, I want you to underline the phrase with fear and great joy. Those words don't really go together, do they? Right? Fear and great joy. You don't, you're not afraid and joyful at the same time. But, but yet they were experiencing that. They had been experiencing death and worry and and Fear, ah, what's going to happen? And then all of a sudden there was this in, injected in that situation, joy, anticipation, hope. In a graveyard, they found hope. How in the world did that happen? Because the tomb was empty. Let me tell you something. Many people see fear, listen to me, many people see fear as a wall, this thick wall that separates us from those that we love. And we're terrified of what's on the other side of that wall, right? And the wall's so big and so long and so high, we can't get around it. And then once you get on the other side of it, there's no coming back. And, and fear is this big wall of separation. But for the Christian, for the person that loves Jesus, fear is not a wall. Fear is a door. I'm sorry, death is a door. And, and as we cross through 
across that wall of death that we realize that when we step out of this life, we're right into the presence of Jesus. That this risen Jesus has gone to heaven to prepare a place for us. This risen Jesus is alive. This risen Jesus has conquered death. And we don't have to be afraid of it. We do not have to be afraid. The Bible says, get this, get this. The Bible says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Is that good news or what? That you can't even fathom in your mind what God has prepared for you in heaven, for those who love him and will follow him. That's why Christians are not afraid of death. Death is not a wall for us. Death is a doorway for us right into the very presence of Jesus Christ. I was talking with a friend of mine this week who literally did his brother's funeral this week. And he said uh, in his message, he said, well, let me tell you uh, what my brother's missing out on right now. And he started listing off all the terrible stuff on the news, right? He's missing out on COVID. He's missing out on all this strife in our country. He's missing out on this. Then he started listing all the things that he personally was dealing with, uh, his body hurting, uh, chronic pain, all these things. He said he's missed out on all that. And you know what he's gained? Everything. He's gained Jesus He's gained all the blessings of God that have been stored up in heaven for him. That's a pretty good exchange. Would you agree with that? And for every Christian, they step out across death. They step out of this world and open their eyes right into heaven because the tomb was empty. I'll never forget, several years ago, I went to Israel and I went to this tomb, the tomb that we're talking about right here. I went to the tomb. We went on the inside. Still empty, folks. Good news. Still empty. And then we, we left them. They had this little area in this beautiful garden. And so we're, we're worshiping and we're singing uh, to Jesus in this graveyard, basically. And then we heard other groups singing. But, but this other group, they were singing in Korean. And then there were another group, and they were singing some other language. I had no idea what it was. And then it hit me that people from all over the world are gathering to a graveyard to worship at an empty tomb. Because Jesus is alive. Even still today, when I do a Christian funeral and we talk about the hope we have in Jesus, we'll go out to a graveyard. You know what we'll do? We'll sing. Why do Christians sing at the grave? Because the grave does not have the last word. That's why. That's why we sing at the grave. So listen, we don't have to be afraid of death. Death is just a doorway into the very presence of Jesus Christ. Because of the resurrection, you can overcome your fears. You don't have to be afraid of your failures because your failures will drive you deeper to Christ. You don't have to be afraid of abandonment because he's closer than you think. You don't have to be afraid of death because it's just a doorway right into the very presence of God. This is the hope that we have in Jesus. Here's the question. Do you have that hope? Are you allowing fear to overcome you? Or are you overcoming your fear? I want to give you an opportunity right now to experience that hope of the risen Lord. Why don't you bow your heads with me for just a moment? Listen, here's the good news. The good news is simply this, that while we were sinful and far from God, that God sent his own son, Jesus. And that Jesus died on a cross for your sin because he loves you. That on that cross, he took on all of your sin. He died in your place as payment for your sin. That he was buried. And three days later, he rose again from the dead, showing himself alive 
over 40 days, multiple appearances, so much so that those frightened disciples now became bold, courageous leaders of a movement. And that same Jesus who rose from the grave is the same Jesus that will come to you, that will forgive you, that will displace your fear with great confidence and great faith. So I'm gonna lead you in a simple prayer of faith right now. And maybe you're unsure if you've ever truly given your life to Christ. You're not sure if you died today that you would be in heaven. You're not sure that Jesus has radically changed your life. You are unsure of your relationship with God. Then don't leave today unsure. You can be sure. You can know for sure that you're right with God. So I'm gonna lead you in a simple prayer of faith, but everybody's heads bowed, nobody looking around. If you say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. I need to know for sure that I'm right with God. I need that kind of confidence. I need Jesus in my life. Then with your heads bowed, just lift up your hand so that I can see you and I can know that I'm praying for you. Just lift up your hand. All right, thank you. Thank you. All right, lift up. All right, thank you. Anybody else? Lift up your hand. Pastor, thank you. Pastor, pray for me. Thank you. I need for sure that I need to know for sure that I'm right with God. All right, thank you. I see you right there. Anybody else? All right, thank you. Hands all over, the, all over the room. Anybody else? Thank you. If you're in the tent, lift up your hand. We want to pray for you too. If you're in the chapel, lift up your hand. We want to pray for you too. All right, you can put your hand down. Let me pray with you. And I want you to just to pray this prayer with me right where you're seated. Dear Father, I have sinned against you. And I know I've gone my own way. But I believe, Jesus, you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose again from the dead. So I'm asking you right now, please forgive me. Please come into my life. Please make me a new person. Today, I choose to follow you all the days of my life. Thank you for loving me. Father, I thank you so much that on this special day, this Resurrection Sunday, that we don't have to be slaves to fear. We don't have to be overcome by our worries, our fear of failure, our fear of abandonment, our fear of death, that because of the empty tomb, we can overcome. You have overcome those fears. And that in you, we can find hope and peace and assurance and confidence to live this life for you. Lord, I pray as we spill out into this, out of this building and into our week, that we would go as people that are bold as a lion, that are eager and ready to point people to the hope that we have in Jesus. Lord, we love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said,